Thanks for listening to this week's message. We want to hear what God is doing in your life through the ministry of Res Life Holland. If you have a testimony, please email us at info at To learn more about us or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on Facebook or visit rlcholland.com. Also, today is Pentecost Sunday. A lot. Here's the thing. I'm excited about Pentecost Sunday. I've learned about this the past few years as a believer, and it's something I wish I knew even before that. And a lot of us might not know that, and that's okay. But today I want to inform you what Pentecost Sunday is. Now, Pentecost Sunday is a very exciting time uh, for the church, okay? Uh, to me, the last two months, my wife and I, we have four children, and they're all, their birthdays are all like... Pop, 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 right? It was a good plan in the beginning, but when the birthdays came, it was like, oh, man, right? But here's the thing. It's an exciting time uh, to remember when our kids, you know, turn a year older. And, and Pentecost Sunday, we want to remember the promised Holy Spirit to the early church according to the book of Acts. And I encourage you guys this week, if there's a book to read in the Bible, it's the book of Acts, okay? Because those are the days we're living today, okay? This is after the resurrection, after the ascension and Jesus in heaven, and the disciples now spreading the gospel, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the ends of the world is what the Bible says. And we want to remember, we celebrate to remember the, the promised Holy Spirit, the promised gift sometimes the Bible would say. And according to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Bapt, uh, Baptist prophesied about the coming Holy Spirit. So we as believers need to acknowledge this day. We as believers need to acknowledge uh, Pentecostal Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, excuse me, uh, because this church operates in the Holy Spirit. The church should be operating in the Holy Spirit. And I want to let you guys know that that's what Res Life does. We operate according to what the uh, Holy Spirit wants us to do here at Res Life. And so I, I, here's what I want to talk to you guys about. Even though in, the, in Acts it talks about to the early church, I want you guys to know that promise wasn't just for them, but that promise still stands today. And we're going to get in that today. That promise of the Holy Spirit, the gift, still stands today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the fact that we're able just to celebrate uh, uh, your, your precious gift you've given us, Father. Lord, I pray today as, as we dive into your word, Lord, as we dive into what you want us to talk about, Father, I pray that none of my opinions, what I say matters, Father God, is solely from your throne, your heart, your mouth, Father God. Whatever comes out of my mouth, may it pierce the heart, Father. May it minister to us in a hundred different ways, Father. May we, say, may we see truth. May we have fun in your word. May we find rest. May we just continue the joy this life on earth as we prepare for your coming, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say amen. amen. All right, so let's get started. I want to talk to you guys about uh, Jesus when he was here on earth. Now, this is before Acts, right? You look through the uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, and you see Jesus calling out his disciples. We've talked about this in the past. Jesus is calling out to his disciples, right? He's saying, you, I want you to follow me. And it was their choice. They could have, uh-uh. Or they could have just dropped their stuff and gone. Go. And they did. And he, and he chose Matthew. You know, he chose Peter. He chose, I mean, he got 12 disciples. All right? And if you were looking from, a, I guess, an, an other perspective, you're like, why would you choose these guys? They're not educated. 
You know, they're, they're worse than sinners or tax collectors. Like, you have all these things that, that, that could point a flaw in them. But Jesus said, hey, I want you to follow me. And so when, he's doing, when he does that, he gathers them together is what the Bible says. And they start having this, this, this journey. They start walking this life. And what Jesus is literally doing in the midst while he's here on earth doing his ministry is that he was preparing his disciples for what's to come. Okay? He's preparing them for what's to come. Then the crucifixion happens, and, and then the resurrection happens, and then the ascension happens. And we're going to dive now into the book of Acts. So we're going to Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. And this is Jesus with his disciples. And it says, as they were gathered together. Everyone say, gathered together. And the reason why I say remember that is because this is key to what we're going to be talking about today. As they were gathered together with him, Jesus, and that's a symbol of fellowship. Okay, that shows fellowship with, our, with their, heavenly, uh, uh, their, with their uh, Savior, Jesus Christ. So as they were gathered together with him, he told them, do not, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for what the Father has promised. Wait for what the Father has promised. Past tense. And the reason why I bring that part up is because, let me tell you something, that promised the Holy Spirit that he's talking about is about to come to earth. You see, but here's the thing, that Holy Spirit wasn't just created in the moment in the book of Acts right then and there and said, okay, now it's yours. I want the church to understand that this Holy Spirit has been around forever. You can see the accounts through the Bible, even in the Old Testament, when Jesus wasn't even walking the earth yet. But you see the promised gift mentioned many times, all the way back, and I thought this was really cool, all the way back to Genesis, the second verse of the entire Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. You see it where it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering. The, the, the word wasn't even for, it was formless. There was no animals. There was nothing yet. God was about to speak all this stuff into existence, and, it, and the Holy Spirit was acknowledged that it was hovering over this earth. It was hovering over formless earth. So the Holy Spirit, this promised gift has been around for a very, very long time. Continuing on, Jesus says, you heard me speak of this. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, when you think, think of baptism, I, I, you know, we talked about the root word when we did water baptized. When come, from the Greek, it comes from baptizo, right? Which means to fully immerse or submerge under water. So take it for, a set, uh, for example, water baptism. When someone comes and gets water baptized, they go fully underneath the water and they come back out. And by faith, we believe by faith, we believe that when they go under and they come out, they're coming out brand new and the junk is left in the water to die and to drown. That the old habits that they had is no longer their habits anymore. They were die they're dying to self and alive in Christ. But it required them to go fully underneath and, and come back up. Baptism. Now, when you look at baptized in Jesus Christ, that's someone that's making a conscious, genuine decision to say, I'm following Jesus. When Jesus uh, chose his disciples, they had to let everything go to follow him, okay? Not just let me take some cash and say my goodbyes real quick. No, they left everything. Two of the disciples left their dad on the boat 
That was, I mean, it was just at an instant. They just, they just followed you. They left everything for Jesus. When we make that conscious decision of to follow Jesus, to make Jesus my Lord and Savior, we are choosing to leave our old us and who we used to be in the habits and, and, and follow Jesus and pursue his word and what he wants us to do in our life. So when you look at baptize or baptism, it's, it's, it's giving 100% of it. All right, whether it's water baptism or your entire life. And so when you look at baptizing the Holy Spirit, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to take total control of you, not a piece of you, not some of you, not just only on Sundays, but all of you and who you are. That's what baptize is telling us to do, is to give it all up. And when we're baptizing the Holy Spirit, we want to allow the Holy Spirit to take total control of us. That is spirit, soul, and our bodies and who we are. We're just saying yes to God and no to us. And I believe that the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul explains it best. Going to Galatians chapter 5, 16, 17 says, so I say, Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirits, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. Huh? You're talking about the spirits and our flesh are, are not, never eye to eye because we want to do what we want to do. It says that we're, they're, they're, they're uh, contrary to each other. When there's one way we feel like going, but the spirit of God and the word that's within us is telling us to go this way. But we, want, we don't feel like going this. I want to go this way. But the Spirit of God say, no, 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 you need to go this way. That's what uh, Paul's talking about. They are contrary with each other. They, they are totally against each other, trying to win the battle of who's taking control, who's taking, taking total control. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I think God knows what we want to do is just going to get us in trouble. No, seriously, what we want to do and how we want to do it is only going to get us in trouble. It really is. I mean, there are so many things I want to do to make my team win every fall, <laughs> but it's not up to me, right? It's up to me to have a good attitude when we don't accomplish it. That's what I'm talking about. I hope that was a good illustration. Probably not. <laughs> but what happens is that when we want to do whatever we want to do, we veer off from the course of Jesus and what he wants us to do. And then there are so many times we get in this rut or this, this stuck moment or, or we realize, man, I, I, I totally missed it. But thank God that he sent somebody down to this earth, the promised gift that we're talking about, right? The Holy Spirit to guide us right back on. And that just shows the mercy and the love of God, of Christ, when he ascended to heaven. See, Jesus didn't leave this world after the resurrection and say, see ya. No, he says, wait for the gift as he's leaving. Wait for the gift that's going to help you out. And you are going to do so much more than what I ever did when I walked this earth. Jesus declared that over the church, over us. You thought I did miracles? Watch you guys do the miracles through my name, in my name, faith in me. He declares that over the church, and we need to acknowledge that. So the Apostle Paul in Galatians that I just read explains it best where he says, walk by the spirits. In other words, he's saying, don't do what you want to do. Do according to what God wants you to do through the Holy Spirit. He says, walk by the Spirit in Galatians. 
In Ephesians, Paul says, walk as children of light. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, walk by faith and not by sight. You guys catching something here? I think there is a way we need to walk in this earth. And Paul is telling us loud and clear in the New Testament that he wants us to walk according to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do uh, through us in this entire world. Now, Jesus, again, I mentioned it earlier, but Jesus, when he was walking this world, all he was doing was preparing these guys, preparing his disciples for what was about to come into this earth, the promised gift. Now, like I was telling you guys about the birthday parties that I had with my kids, right? Like, they do a countdown, okay? They do... We don't say five more days. We say like five more sleeps because they just get it that way, right? Dad, five more sleeps. Yeah, five more sleeps. And then it's my birthday. Yes, it is your birthday. Awesome. What are you excited about? Presents. (laughs) That's all they're thinking. They're not thinking about the cake. They're not thinking about the balloons. I don't even think think they're thinking about the people. They're thinking about the gifts that they have, like the gifts that are coming, they can only imagine, I think I'm going to get this. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> I think I'm, dad, I think I'm going to get this. I'm like, just wait, just wait, right? Who's ever been, have you guys ever anticipated that as a kid? Barney, I know you do now still, right? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> well, you know, I, but I had a 30th birthday party um, a couple years ago and, and a lot of people came and man, it was just, I was anticipating. I felt like a kid again. Like, so I, I'm familiar with that feeling, but we, my kids were anticipating that. Kids anticipate the gift that is coming. And like, I, I don't know what it is, but it's a gift and it's coming. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. You see, the, what Jesus was doing when he was walking on the earth was he was preparing these guys for this gift that was going to come. And they had, might not have not understood or known what it is, but it was something they could definitely look forward to. Because as a child, when we look at Christmas or a birthday, we are looking forward to gifts. Then it's not Christmas or birthday. We don't get it, right? To them. And that's, that's the attitude we, we should have, or they should have had, is, is anticipate that. But they would and look forward to, yeah, there was ups and downs, there were some challenges while they were going, but Jesus was preparing these guys because he knew they would need some type of guidance, that they would need some type of remembrance of his ways when he ascended into, into heaven. I need it today still. All of us need that today. So he sent the Holy Spirit. But it required, for the Holy Spirit to come down to this world, it required Jesus to ascend, to leave, to go back to the Father. Because we couldn't, they didn't have the, both of them, God knows what he's doing. But when Jesus left, the promised Spirit came down. And at this point, guys, I love it because Jesus gave him a heads up. At this point in history, when the Spirit of God comes down, at this point, you start to see the church form together. You guys remember when I had said, remember this? They gathered together. Is this key? This is what I want to tell you guys. Gathering together, praying together, fellowshipping together. Jesus was just setting up the church. He was getting them to, what are we doing right now? On a Sunday morning, we are gathered together. And Jesus, when he was walking this earth, was going to get ready to offer this freedom, eternal freedom to everybody. That's why he picked these guys and says, you, you, you. Yeah, you don't got a scholar. Yeah, you don't have uh, the, the, the education. You, you're, you're stuck in this part of your life. Just still follow me. Because he was gathering them together. He was, bring, he was preparing them for a birth, a big birth. 
And what had happened at this time is he brought them together. He's setting this thing up. And then the, the, the crucifixion happened. Then the resurrection happened. Then the ascension happened. And then the promise, the gift is finally here. It's here. It's here. And what had happened was as they gathered together, even though Jesus is not walking this world no more, as they gathered together, they stuck together. And, and the final push happened. The final push happened. The final stamp, the final seal happened, and the church was birthed. We are here because of Pentecost Sunday. And I need people to understand. God wants people to understand that, that with, with Pentecost Sunday, we need to remember that promise gift that was poured out. And today, even though Jesus is not walking the earth, he has sent a comforter, a helper, a spirit that guides us through every decision. doesn't mean things are going to go well and every circumstance is just going to be awesome. There are storms in life. There are th- trials that we face. G- Jesus pretty much guaranteed it. But he said, take heart, for I have overcome this world. You see, church, we are, we are weak when we don't allow the spirit to do his thing. And we try to do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. We can't. You can look at the accounts through the Bible and you can see that it is the power of God that sees people, that makes people do the impossible. But then you can also see when they didn't acknowledge God and they were kind of doing their own thing that they got themselves stuck in certain situations. But the grace was always there. You can see that last week I talked a little bit about the, uh, uh, the woman who was uh, um, caught in adultery. And even though the law said one thing, that she needed to die, grace extended, forgiveness was extended. And what Jesus was doing is, he was, again, he's creating this church. He was forming this church so that the final seal of the Holy Spirit, it's a done deal. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, and I'm actually going to give you a different translation. This translation is from a, it's called uh, New Testament translations or translators. It's a Bible that I love going into because it's one of the closest they can get to the original language. And of the Greek, and I love that. And it says in Acts chapter 2, it says, The day of Pentecost came. In the course of it, they were all assembled together. Again, there it is. When suddenly there was a noise from above, like that of a violent wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. A violent wind blew. You know, when God created this world in the book of Genesis, and he created man, he said he created man from the dust of the ground, right? And now he created man. But what, what caused a man to become alive? Anybody? The breath of life. Yeah, he, the Bible says that he breathed, breathed into his nostrils and man came alive, right? That was some type of activity. I really believe that when there is breath or when there's wind involved, it is, it is a symbol of God's activity, God bringing something to life. And this violent wind came where all these people gathered together on the day of Pentecost. This violent wind, I believe just like he breathed in, in, in the nostrils of Adam, he breathed into the church, in the nostrils of the church. And he blew. And the breath of, breath of life came to this world, to this church. And we are gathered together because of, okay, going back. What seemed to be tongues of fire appeared to them, dividing up and resting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they started speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave, and that's the key word, gave, it was a gift, them power of speech. It is through the Holy Spirit that we receive life. 
and life to the fullest. It is through the Holy Spirit, that, that the gift that was given us in Christ Jesus, that we see the power of God manifest before our eyes. You see, in the beginning when this world was created, the Holy Spirit was, the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. He was involved in all of this. He was here since the beginning and beyond. The Holy Spirit, for, for things to happen, the impossible to happen in this world, I guess to operate in the supernatural, in other words, to see things happen, the, the Spirit of God needs to operate. We have to, allow him, we have to yield that to him and allow him to just take total control of us because that gift is there for us. It is power that God gave us, but we can't do this on our own. And a lot of the times we try to reason it through our mind. I would reason it through my mind all the time. How in the world did that happen? How did you get that? How did, I, it doesn't, the math doesn't make sense. And it's because I, I wasn't trying, I was trying to comprehend the Holy Spirit through a mind rather than a heart. Because we may not fully understand what he's doing, but I believe what the word says. And that he can do it. Because my scripture says that he can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. It's just an op- it's a way that we need to receive in a heart mindset. When we meditate on God's scriptures, and when we take what's on the pages, put it in our heart, let it sink into or in our minds, let it sink into our heart, watch God unfold before your eyes. Watch God manifest before your eyes. We need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit more and operate it because here's, operate through it, because here's the thing. When we, we just can't do it. We cannot do it on our own strength. We can't. We cannot do it. We need the help of God. So that's why when Jesus was walking on the world, he was gathering these people together. He was assembling together. He was gathering and assembling together. And, and the Bible was saying that they were consist, they were, there was a consistency of them coming together. Whether it was prayer, whether it was um, uh, fellowship, there was just this consistent lifestyle that they had. You know, we gather together on Sunday mornings. Every Sunday morning, we're here. And I see this consistency happen. And then I know some people here that, that gather in their own homes. Well, actually, I think it's just amazing when you guys do that. You guys are having church outside. I see, I see church happening in the basketball courts. I see church happening while they're uh, at Applebee's, you know, and just kind of doing their thing. Because there's this sense of gathering and fellowship. You see, to have church doesn't require pulpits, okay? We just gather together on a Sunday and do this lifestyle. But you can continue this on on Monday, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we're back up here on on, on Sunday. We need to understand when we do life together, uh, allowing the Spirit of God to help us with our decisions in life and guide us through this life um, that's very hostile to God, we are doing church with each other. We are doing church. We are breaking bread with each other. We are, we are praying together. Wednesday nights, we do that a lot here. A lot of our leadership will come, and a lot of people from the church will just gather together. And we're doing church right then and there. We're gathering together, and we're, we're, we're praying, and we're declaring the word over this place, over people, maybe prayer requests, because we want to operate the way the Spirit of God wants us to operate. In Acts chapter 1, Going back to chapter 1, but this is verse 13 and 14. Uh, it says, when they arrived, they were upstairs. Now, this is just the disciples, okay? When they arrived, they were upstairs to the room where they were sta- uh, staring, staying. Excuse me. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Okay? Now, all his disciples are coming together again. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the woman and uh, women and Mary the mother of Jesus 
and with his brothers. Together, everyone say together. Together. Together, they kept going. And it was an upper room. They gathered together. And, And the reason why we do church is we gather together to come in prayer, to advance the kingdom, to do what he wants us to do. When you guys leave, I pray every week. I pray not only that whatever I say ministers in a hundred different ways, but I pray that when you leave these four walls, that you are being ministers in your own world. In your own world. I did an illustration four or five years ago. Some of you guys might remember this when I was a youth pastor here. It was my first youth takeover. And uh, Derek... Uh, from the youth was uh, really involved. Josh was involved, Mike, Autumn, all those guys, Amanda, everybody, uh, uh, Deanna, all those guys were all involved. And I said, I need your guys' help. I'm preaching on Sunday and I'm scared. <laughs> and, you know, we were just, you know, laughing with it because it was my first time. But I had this cool illustration of a disco ball. Do you guys remember the disco ball? Some of, us, some of you guys do. And, and one of the guys, his name is Josh, comes up here and says, hey, I can get a disco ball. This is like his thing. And he hooked that, him and his brother hooked that thing up. And we did this thing where we had one light shining. And yeah, I was making an impact. We, we actually shut all the lights off in here. It was completely dark. And I was shining this one light and it was reflecting this one beam of light, right? And you could see it. You could see where I was at. But when we shine that light on that disco ball, Man, I mean, this whole place was lit, and it was so cool because he had it on a spinner, and it was going on around, and everyone was cheering. It, out. it was awesome because it was just a good sight, but the, the, what I was trying to teach was saying, when we take the light, when we take what we've learned, okay, the scripture, and when we go to our world, okay, our personal world, Walmart, Meyer, you know, I worked at Gentex for a long time, you know, I know there's, there's a, like Herman Miller, factory jobs, stores, uh, the park, family, friends. When you go to your world, it's like we're reflecting this, like, just like this disco ball, right? And all these lights are coming together, and it's just lighting up this whole room. It's a bunch of little lights everywhere, but it lit up this whole room. And I believe that's how we need to be when we go to our worlds. You know the family that we don't want to hang out with? <laughs> You know the people that are like, ah, oh, they're coming to the cookout, right? That is them right there. You are the light. You, are, you, are the, you have a mission before you. That's who God wants you to connect with. All right, I'm just being honest. We have the, I have those moments a lot, right? And I'm like, well, let's do this, right? And I will continue to be an example, and I will continue to show the word. And let me tell you something. A lot of my family, both sides, have accepted Christ because of it. Biggest testimony of them all, my father-in-law accepted Christ, and now he's home with the Lord. Gathering together, allowing the Spirit of God to just unravel in our lives is what, in our lives is what we need to do. As a church, guys, in Christ, as a church, we are called to, to, to show Christ, and we are called by Christ to pray earnestly, pray earnestly according according to Colossians chapter 4. We are to fellowship with people and with our family and friends and, and with the Father according to 1 John. And we are also to live as children according to Ephesians 5. As children of God. And when we are children of God, when I look at my kids and they're excited about something, summer vacation is here, they're anticipating 
Something's going to happen. There's the beach. There's the park. I'm going outside. I'm getting wet. I'm sleeping in. I'm staying up late. They're anticipating so much for summer vacation. It's, it's a childlike faith that they have. We're not even there yet. It's day one for our house in a summer vacation, and they are already anticipating everything there. Childlike faith. They believe that it's going to happen, and it's going to happen. We need to anticipate, have that childlike faith when we come to Scripture. And like, I have that promise. I have this. I am walking this way. Yes, my finances are not according to the economy, but what God says. I'm going to invest here, and I'm going to do this there. I, 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 I'm not really good at playing. God, I'm going to practice, and I'm going I'm to do it for your glory. And I'm going to seek your will and watch impossible, the impossible become possible. What does your world look like? What is your calling? What is God saying in your calling to do? Because when you think, well, it's not much, don't allow that to veer you away from Jesus because it is much. It is much. One friend, all he did, all he did was love on me. No matter how bad I was in high school and middle school, he loved me. No matter what I did, he loved me. No matter how much I was kind of sometimes rude to him, he loved me. For seven years, he loved me and said, stay the night at my house. Come hang out with me. Come do this with me. Let's go do that. And I tried to pull him in with my crowd, and he wasn't budging. He said, come follow me. Seven years later, I come to Christ. And I thank God that God put him in my life. He had a lot of patience. (laughs) He had a lot of patience. The purpose, guys, of the Holy Spirit, you see this in John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. Everyone say the helper. He's your helper. When you just don't know what to do or it's too much for you, look to your helper. Look to your helper. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus Christ, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you that I have said to you is what Jesus says, is what our Heavenly Father says. Our helper is the reason why we have the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. He is our our comforter. He is our counselor. He is our helper. And when he's here to help, God is glorified. When we allow him to help, God is glorified. Will we allow the Spirit of God to move in our personal world's church? Will we allow him to move and operate according to what he tells us to do as we continue on in